Good morning. Welcome to Worship With Us, the people of Inglewood Church. My name is James. I'm the pastor and glad to have you join us, even if it is online and not in person as we would prefer. Although I suppose there's one upside. We don't have to wear these as we're getting together. One of the questions that I think all of us on some level are asking is, what does this time mean personally, socially, nationally, and where is God in all of this, regardless of our spiritual tradition and in this place, certainly we have all kinds of different takes on things, but where is God? We're not seeing usually the kinds of epic things we'd read about in scripture, the parting of the Red Sea or the burning bush, as we'll get to in a few minutes. What we see instead are sort of the humdrum everyday things of normal life. I look around my own house and what I see are dishes that need to be done. I see a plant to water. I see wipes that I need to use again. I notice a hallway to sweep. And of course, I see a dog who needs his walk. Now I know that things are happening in the world, but I'm not seeing in my own life necessarily the epic providence of God. I'm not seeing the kinds of spectacular things I think about when I remember these various Bible stories or epic stories from my friends. Nonetheless, the promise of the God of grace is that in the rhythms of everyday life, our God is right here with us, every bit as much with us in the normal everyday as he is in the spectacular, extraordinary works that he does in fact sometimes do. Nonetheless, even though his promise is that he's with us, so often we turn away, even when God initiates conversations and we, we feel that tug in our heart to ask the kind of bigger questions that the kind of intimate questions that he'd have us ask, we just move on with the dishes or the sweeping of the hallway. Which is why as Presbyterians, along with many other Christians and other traditions, we often begin our worship with a confession. A confession of the ways that despite God's goodness and his initiative and his love and his provision for us, we've turned away and gone our own direction. Let's join as Amanda leads us in a prayer of confession together. Good morning. Please join me in this prayer of confession. Father in heaven, we need to be forgiven. We have all done wrongly in thought, word, and deed. But instead of trusting in the death of Jesus, we have tried to work off our own guilt. Instead of resting in him and his righteousness, we pile up good deeds as if they could outweigh our sins. Instead of trusting in the resurrection power of Jesus, we have tried to change through our own efforts, our sheer willpower. This left some of us arrogant because we are blind. This left most of us anxious and depressed because we see our wrong. Forgive us for trying to heal ourselves. Forgive us for neglecting your grace. Forgive us and heal us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Mm -hmm. 
Friends, having confessed our sin in prayer to God and having received the assurance that he forgives and cleans us up entirely, let's take this opportunity to consider who God may have us reach out to give what he's given us. Everything that God does for us and in us, he then gives us the invitation, the opportunity to take and have him work through us. And so take a few moments right here, right now, to consider who God may have you reach out to in, in friendship, to send a, a note, maybe a text right now. You could even push pause on the video here and message somebody. 
You could interact in the messages that are here on this Facebook premiere, or YouTube premiere, or however you're watching this. Maybe email somebody, get on the telephone, whatever God may have you do to give to others the friendship, the grace that God has given to us. And it's in that taking in God's word of promise that he initiates with us that then prepares us to hear further words of grace. Knowing that all of scripture is given to us for our instruction. This Sunday, we're hearing from a passage in Exodus, read to us by our very own Jessica Salmon. This is Exodus 3, verses 1 through 10. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he went deep into the wilderness near Sinai, the mountain of God. Suddenly, the angel of the Lord appeared to him as a blazing fire in a bush. Moses was amazed because the bush was engulfed in flames, but it didn't burn up. Amazing, said Moses to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go over to see this. When the Lord saw that he had caught Moses' attention, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, God told him. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he hid his face in his hands because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, You can be sure I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries for deliverance from their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering, so I have come to rescue them from the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own good and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites live. The cries of the people of Israel have reached me, and I have seen how the Egyptians have oppressed them with heavy tasks. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You will lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. One of my favorite memories of packing up to move here to Washington State uh, a little over seven years ago was uh, actually this guy. His name is Mr. Raven. He lived in Jonathan's room when Jonathan was uh, a younger tyke. And um, yeah, just Mr. Raven just kind of hung out and lived on Jonathan's uh, nightstand or on his dresser. And he had uh, quite an affection for Mr. Raven along with pretty much every other animal that he ever met. And when it came time to pack up to move here to Washington State, we uh, were clearing out the house and were kind of staging it to be able to sell the house in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, Mr. Raven had to get packed up and Jonathan realized that Mr. Raven was going to have to go in a box. And in a very concerned voice, his question was, special box? Yes, Mr. Raven made the move just fine. On the other hand, when we got to Washington, Somehow, Mr. Raven didn't make it back into a, a prominent location in, in Jonathan's room where he was interacting on a regular basis. Mr. Raven got put on the shelf, pretty literally. During this time, it'd be easy enough for many of us to feel very much put on the shelf, put out of action, our lives put on hold. It may be helpful to know that this experience is not unique. Moses, as 
epic as his larger story is, the stuff of many, many movies. And just go, go watch one if you don't know the outlines. But his life was spectacular. But as amazing as his overall life has been and the impact on the millennia since has been, Moses' life got put on hold for decades. Yes, he was rescued from certain death by drowning as a baby, by the very intelligent response of his mother, the protective watch of his older sister, and the coincidence, divinely arranged, of being adopted into the Egyptian royal family. The beginnings of Moses' life were, in fact, epic. But then in the tension of feeling his identity as one of these oppressed Hebrews, and yet in the Egyptian royal family, and that tension erupting in a moment of rage against one of the oppressors, he, he killed a man and had to run for his life, he finds his life put on hold. He doesn't go into the wilderness and take up leadership as a chieftain of a nomadic tribe. No, no, no. He yes, gets adopted into one of the tribes, marries one of the tribal women. But he lives his life for decades herding sheep, which both then and now is one of the most unglamorous lifestyles you can imagine. His life is filled with routine. He's doing well enough. He has kids, he's married well, but his life is not what anyone would consider epic. And yet there are clues that even in this time, Moses recognizes that God is somehow with him. He doesn't yet know that he has this destiny to be the rescuer of God's people. But when God shows up in this encounter at the burning bush, God identifies himself as the God of his father, singular, and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amram, whose name only comes up once in the biblical accounts, was apparently enough of an influence on Moses that when God shows up in this spectacular way, he identifies himself as the God of this man who, as far as we are aware, was rather unspectacular. Identifies himself as a God that Moses has been aware of through decades of unspectacular everyday life. Moses is out there on the mountain herding sheep. He's in the middle, middle of the uninhabited wilderness. And that's where we find ourselves in the story this morning. Moses is out with his sheep, leading them to all the familiar places which have become familiar over decades of living here with his adopted people. He apparently has a pretty good life. He's the son-in-law of the priest of the people of this area. He's married well. He's got kids. And 
as the years pass, he has clearly settled into this new life he's made for himself here. But this day, something is different. This day, he sees this bush, which is burning yet is not consumed. And the sight of the bush burning was enough to catch his attention, but realizing that the bush did not burn up was what pulled him in. And seeing that he had Moses' attention, now God speaks to him through this visible manifestation of this fire which does not consume. And certainly when we first look at this story, what we will probably see first of all is a God who is utterly above us in all these spectacular ways we can expect from a, well, a Bible story. There's the flame that, unlike this one, is truly a living flame and needs nothing of external fuel to sustain itself. It simply is. There's also the fact that Moses in this encounter is very aware of the presence of God in this place. Not only does God himself say, don't come any farther, take off your shoes, giving Moses this, this act of obedience to create this sense of this place being set apart, this place being holy. But Moses himself hides his face spontaneously because he recognizes the, the presence of God in this epic way and does not dare risk the chance that he sees God with his own eyes. And yes, there's the God of history here who sees his people, who supernaturally knows Moses, who's able to appear in this way and is sovereign over time and history. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. At the same time, though, let's not miss the ways this story shows us a God who is not just above us and sovereign over all, but a God who is tenderly and intimately with us. There's the fact that God calls to Moses with this doubling of the name Moses. Moses. Which in Hebrew scripture is a way of communicating intimacy, familiarity. Even if Moses hasn't been on these intimate, familiar terms with God, God is utterly in love with Moses and with his people. And then God reciprocates, inviting Moses and all of his people into an intimate knowledge of himself, giving a few verses after this story his own personal name of Yahweh, the name by which God's chosen people know their sovereign God in a personal way. And then, of course, the fact that God says that he's seen the oppression of his people. He knows their situation. He's heard their cries. And go back and read chapters one and two. It's not at all clear that God's people are directly crying out to him, yet he hears and now he has come down and is now going to send a deliverer to his people. Friends, this is a God who is all-powerful and all-knowing, and yet invites not just Moses and his people back then, but invites us today into an 
intimate, familiar knowing that comes to us in the everyday stuff of life. Which means when any of us is looking one more time at trying to get our kid started on their school at home work, or when any of us is looking at a shrub that needs to be pruned again, God is present with us in those moments. He may not be as spectacularly visible as he is in the burning bush or the crossing of the Red Sea or seeing Jesus resurrected alive in the body again for the first time after we've seen him crucified. But he is every bit as much with us in the everyday stuff of life. See, when he introduces himself to Moses, do you see how God introduces himself to Moses as the God of your father? Before going on to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob back in history, God is the God of Moses's father, Amram, who we only meet once. We only find out his name once, and yet God has been present with Moses from before his own birth, and so it is with us. Friends, my, my invitation to you, I, stronger than an invitation, my, my plea to you as it is to myself each morning, that we do not rest satisfied apart from a sense of God's presence with us in everyday life. Not waiting for the spectacular inbreaking, although God will give us those things, but taking advantage of God's promises to be with us in the everyday. It can perhaps sound cliched to hear once again that we should give ourselves to the daily habits of, of prayer and reading of scripture, but all that is is an invitation to be in conversation with God and if you want some helps on that, we have a, a prayer page on our website and we'll put some information, some helps in the notes to this video. But to daily encourage ourselves to make the first task of every day to make our hearts happy in God, there is no other better way to grow in our sense of God's presence with us. Christianity was never meant to be an external religion. The movement of Jesus has always been about our relationship with him, to know in our knowing of Jesus that we know the sovereign, eternal God who loves and is delighted with us. And if I may use a metaphor, the daily habits of prayer and scripture and solitude and silence and these other practices that have been helpful to the saints throughout the ages, yes, they can feel like external practices that may not in their first instance be the glory we would want from a burning bush. But what they do is they increase for us our ability to see him. I have in my hands a, a pair of binoculars and in one way I can say that looking through these binoculars makes the object at the other end look bigger. But by the same token, I could also say that observing an object at a distance 
a northern flicker, a pileated woodpecker, a red-tailed hawk, whatever it is I'm seeing through these, it doesn't actually make the object look bigger. It simply makes the object look more its real size closer to me. Every metaphor breaks down almost immediately when applied to her life with God. And yet, the daily growing habits of prayer and scripture and forgiveness and generosity and silence and Sabbath and all those rhythms we're invited into to eat with gladness and to celebrate God's goodness. Those rhythms of life don't make God any bigger than he already is. They simply help us see him and hear him more clearly in his true greatness and majesty with us in everyday life. There have been over the years a number of helpful guides to this growing practice of seeing God in every day. And we'll put a couple of those titles again in the notes to this video. But friends, while it's still today, open up your hearts to receive the God who is both sovereign and above us and in control and providing for us. The God who is also with us right now, today. Amen. All other ground
join me in prayer. Ah, Lord, as hard as it is for us to believe sometimes, certainly as hard as it is for us to trust sometimes, we simply receive and take in this promise that you are with us both in the spectacular and in the mundane, in the doing dishes and the washing clothes and the simply not knowing what comes next, God. You are with us. We pray, Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, to make real and tangible to our hearts, open us up, to your love and affection and forgiveness and reconciliation. And don't let this start simply and stop simply with us. Just as our life with you begins with you and your work in others that comes to us, let your work in us as it begins or renews continue on and flow out to the world around us that both in our personal relationships and how we see the society around us, Lord, that everything would be reshaped in the light of your gospel and your truth, your presence, your goodness, your greatness, and your glory. Lord, in the midst of so much uncertainty and very real need, Lord God, 
be for us visibly, practically our provider and provider for our friends and our loved ones as well. In this time when so many people are losing their jobs and are completely just beyond human help or so it would seem, Lord, make us cry out to you and Lord, come down and see our need and provide. And yes, open our eyes to see as well, to see what you see and have a heart that looks like your heart that our lives individually and as families and as cities and as a nation would begin to look like the lives of justice and mercy that you would call us to. Lord, we pray for health for those who are ill, especially those who are ill with COVID-19, but also all the other needs of ourselves, our loved ones, our families, our neighbors, our friends. Lord God, most of all in this time, bring us back to you, to a living sense of your greatness. We pray in Jesus' name and continue to pray day by day as he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do you have some invitations for you in this, this week ahead? We have a variety of ways we gather online uh, in addition to this one. There are uh, Zoom meetings, uh, Zoom small groups that happen throughout the week. There's a men's group that meets on Thursday nights and a women's group that meets Wednesday mornings. There's also a uh, missional community, a life group, which we're trying to figure that out. Life's been a little crazy for us along with everyone else, but generally speaking, Thursday nights, you'd be welcome to join in on that. We also have a noontime prayer meeting that's conversational prayer. We just have a passage of scripture and we, we pray through it together. You'd be welcome to simply join and, and listen. Uh, you, of course, are welcome to join and converse with all the rest of us with God, but invite you to just check it out noon on Friday, uh, week by week. We also invite you to uh, check out the small group offerings from our friends at Bethany Eastside. They've made their gatherings open to our folks, and so it's an additional option uh, we've found over the years that uh, if you have more options, more people opt. And so I hope that some of you will indeed check out uh, Bethany Eastside on their small group page on their website. Now we have a chance to, to show off on this Earth Day week uh, some of what we've been able to, uh, to see renewal on the property that we own, the property that we steward here on Finn Hill. Happy Earth Day. 
like to tell you the story of, of this particular patch of the church backyard. When I arrived as pastor seven years ago, this was filled with uh, blackberries. In fact, the, the very place I'm standing would not have been accessible to me. Uh, through the work of some of our church volunteers, John Bailey and others, we were able to clear this out. And then we had the privilege of partnering with King Conservation District through their uh, wetlands uh, restoration program to have a matching grant to begin to rip out the invasive plants, not just blackberries, but a bunch of other things, and do a thorough replanting with native vegetation in this place. Uh, I don't know if you can hear in the background, but the, the mallards who come pretty much every year to, to raise babies are, are quacking in the background. There's a bunch of other birds. It's really a place that has come alive in some new ways these past five or so years that we've been partnering with King Conservation District. If you'd like to partner with us in uh, continuing this, and indeed we'd love to expand the replanted areas, uh, we can always use some help. It's a socially distanced kind of thing to do, and we'd love to have the chance to meet you and hear some of your story as we work together for the good of this place together. If you'd like to give financially, that of course is, uh, we would welcome that. Uh, we have a text to give service that you can text to 425-979-7062 and type in the word give and it, the amount, it's really almost that easy. You can also go to our website, inglewoodpc.org backslash give and there's some other options there. We hope everyone is staying home and staying safe or enjoying the uh, socially distanced outdoors like right here. We're glad to be neighbors here in this place and to seek the common good with you. Thank you. Now, you didn't think I was gonna let a perfectly good fire go to waste without getting in some marshmallows, did you? Friends, whatever God has for you this week, know that he is in this for your good. That whatever we face, God can take even the most broken situation and turn it to our good. Because he's with us and he's sovereign and he loves us. Friends, go in peace. Enjoy him this week. Amen.